This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Hazing. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, July 10th, 2023. Hope everyone had a good weekend. We're starting with on a weekend full of news and unbelievable stories. We're starting with what's going on in Evanston, Illinois at Northwestern with coach Pat Fitzgerald, a coach who is a star player with Northwestern, suspended two weeks after investigation found that there was hazing going on at Northwestern with the football team. Sometimes it took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin at training. Sometimes it took place in Evanston. And under all circumstances, hazing bad. So what does a school do when information is brought to their attention by a player? A player in November of 22 said, there's hazing going on. Let's hire Samson and Coca. Let's do an investigation. And they did a rigorous six-month investigation, and they uncovered the possibility of the practical, maybe Pat Fitzgerald knew something about someone somewhere, and so they said, terrible. They did an entire PR release. We hired them. They investigated this behavior is unacceptable. The coach didn't know. Suspended two weeks. End of story. We looked at that and said, hazing, that's really not amazing or ideal. But two weeks, not a really big punishment. Nothing's going on right now in July, so it's not really a meaningful punishment. Pat Fitzgerald is okay. The program is okay. We're all okay. Then the local newspaper there called The Daily of course, the Northwestern School of Journalism, they've got journalists, budding journalists, getting educated at that great Big Ten school. Other outlets start getting interested because it turns out that the players who were alleging that they were hazed or knew or saw about the hazing were not too pleased. So that caused Northwestern PR people to snap to attention and they said, here's the first thing we're going to do. And this is always a good one. We're going to have a letter sent from the entire football team to everyone in Northwestern saying, don't hate on Pat Fitzgerald. He's our guy. 
We drink the Kool-Aid every day and we promise you there's only sugar in it. We're never roofied. They go through an entire letter talking about Pat Fitzgerald and how, please, he didn't do it, didn't know about it. This issue is over. In fact, they said in their letter that Pat Fitzgerald was not involved in any of any of the alleged incidents in any way, shape or form. I don't know why anyone in journalism would write in any way, shape or form. It's a funny expression, but not necessary. Coach Fitzgerald had no knowledge of these allegations until they were brought to his attention during the investigation. Horse hockey. That's like saying that Nathaniel Jessup had no idea there were code reds going on. Or that the owner and GM of the Astros had no idea there was garbage can banging going on. There is zero plausible deniability that the head coach was not aware the players were being ran. That's what the hazing was. Any freshman who makes any mistakes in practice or a game, they get ran. That's the same as a code red, except they get dry humped in the dark by upperclassmen. Totally sexual abuse, total hazing to a to an nth degree. And this has not been going on for a day, a week, a month, or a year. So the letter comes out and it says, sincerely, wait for it, the entire Northwestern football team. Entire in all caps. The rest of the words just have a capital letter to start, like N, Northwestern, and then small, Orth, Western. But the entire is absolutely in all caps. As though we're supposed to think, reading this letter from the football team, that the investigation and all that happened, they have no idea what's going on. It's meaningless because the entire football team believes that Fitzgerald had no idea Of course, that's preposterous because members of the football team are the ones who brought the incident to light. And then the story gets crazier. The president of Northwestern, after letting his spokesperson speak for him. So that's how you know the level of seriousness in an issue or when you've gotten caught When you have your spokesperson talk, it's, hey, we're not going to make this a big deal. Let's have John Yates say something. The spokesman just said our first priority is to support and protect our students, blah, 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 including all student athletes who had the courage to come forward in this independent investigation. Hardy, har, har. It's not independent. The entire football team is not supporting Pat Fitzgerald. A little bit of a conflict there. When we heard the news, we immediately opened the investigation. We then vigorously investigated it, and it ended with a major punishment, the two-week suspension. We're done. We're good. The president doesn't need to get involved in that. That's a spokesperson's job. Until the further investigation, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Michael Schill said, "Uh uh-oh, I better make a statement here. I'm going to have to talk. I can't believe it. And the president of Northwestern has reopened the quote-unquote investigation of his own conduct to see whether or not the punishment that he levied against Coach Pat Fitzgerald is sufficient. That's a remarkable turn of events. 
He said, after reviewing the report, I assessed a two-week suspension, which went into effect immediately. However, upon reflection, I believe I may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Coach Fitzgerald. This is Northwestern. This is not Podunk University in the middle of Eckveld. This is Northwestern. Upon reflection, you liar. It was not upon reflection. It's when you realize that what you did was wrong because the punishment didn't nearly fit the crime because you wanted to sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen, do a little slap on the wrist when it didn't really matter because you didn't want anybody thinking that something like a student being run during run Xmas or runs giving was actually real. So you do a six-month investigation, you come up with a punishment, and then you spend 24 hours reflecting? It almost defines horse hockey. It says that after he reviewed the report, do you know how these reports work? If you're new to nothing personal, thank you last week to 12.2% of you. Keep sending this out to new people. No investigation that is done by a league or by a university is ever read for the first time upon its release by the commissioner, the owners, or the president of a university. It doesn't happen that way. The investigation, the quote-unquote independent investigation, all those NFL investigations, all the MLB investigations, the Blue Ribbon Report, Go on and on and on. Oh, let me check. Let me re- let me do a Mark Zuckerberg ref- uh, refresh from the social network. Oh, thank God. I just got it. Hey, everyone, come around here. Let's review the investigation findings. No. They write the findings. They approve them. They edit them. They tell people what the findings are supposed to be before the investigation even starts. Upon reflection, I believe I may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Coach Fitzgerald. Really? Does that mean that if your student newspaper and ESPN and Fox and everyone else had left it alone, that you would have still reflected? Or did you reflect as a reaction to other people saying that what you did was totally inappropriate? This is a bad look for Northwestern. This story continues to be discussed There is nothing they can do right now with one exception. And this is what they will have to do. While Pat Fitzgerald was signed to a long-term deal only a few years ago, while he is an institution at Northwestern, they have no choice but to accept his resignation. For Pat Fitzgerald to skate this issue, to pretend that he has no culpability because he had no awareness of what was going on in his own locker room with his own players. By definition, he ought to be fired because that means he doesn't have control or understanding of his team. And if he did know and allowed it to happen, it means that he is okay with that sort of behavior. And that is the exact type of behavior that you simply cannot have. It's not just fraternities who do hazing. It's not just in the armed services and a few good men. 
The concept of hazing is the concept of purportedly teaching a lesson to somebody so that they will not do again what they did to cause the punishment. I'm all in for the concept of deterrence. I happen to love that when it comes to our criminal justice system, and it disappoints me that deterrence is not a bigger thing because the majority of people do not think, hey, that punishment won't happen to me. Hey, I'll be able to not suffer the same consequences. But when deterrent actually works, when deterrence actually works, that changes behavior. That's the whole point of it. You think Northwestern could just let Pat Fitzgerald continue on his way, coach next season as though this entire thing didn't happen or come back with, oh, I've gone from two weeks to four games, six games. I'm going to suspend him for a full year to show that while he may not have known, he should have known. That's the second best way you cover up for your coach. He didn't know. I mean, he should have known, so we got to suspend him, but he didn't know when you know very well that he knew. This likely ends with Pat Fitzgerald leaving as it should. And it will be very clear when he does, because it won't just be a press release. There will be something called a separation agreement. A separation agreement is when the person who is being fired, who is allowed to resign, signs a piece of paper that's a legal agreement between him and his employer stating the terms of their breakup. It's like a divorce agreement. You have to have it in writing. It has to be signed. And it explains the steps that are to be taken starting today. There can be no confusion about a separation agreement because both sides have counsel. Both sides may or may not have read the document, but they sure as hell signed it. So what in the name of Mountaineer is going on in West Virginia? How desperate is Bob Huggins? What a bad look. You want to get caught up on the second craziest story of the weekend? And we're talking about a weekend when we are going into the All-Star game. Wemby made his debut. So many things are going on. And we are knee deep in college on nothing personal because this is an all timer. Bob Huggins with his slur had his contract. As you recall, he had a homophobic slur. This is the legend. This is the guy. He owns West Virginia. If he ran for Senator, he'd likely win. Homophobic slur on the radio slap on the wrist. His contract turned into a bunch of one-year contracts. He took a $1 million pay cut, and he said, I'm going to be better. I'm going to change the way I've been my entire life, and I'm going to become tolerant. I'm going to love all the people in the LGBTQ plus community. We laughed because it's so ridiculous that he will change his stripes. We moved on until he got charged with DUI. Then all of a sudden, he resigned. And we told you on the show that West Virginia said to him, hey, listen here, Bobby, we appreciate the effort, but this is five strikes. At some point, 
the embarrassment levels too much. You're done. They agreed. He resigned. Done. End of story. Until this weekend, when out of the clear blue sky, like a meteor the size of 100 hot dogs, comes a lawyer letter written by Bob Huggins' lawyer saying that Bob Huggins wants his job back because he never actually resigned. The first thing I did, as you know, is my initial reaction when I see something that is impossible is I call Coca. Forgetting the fact that Coca went to West Virginia, Coca is my sensei when it comes to is this real or is this not? Is that a bot or is it not? Wow, I really must have looked good that particular day on a show. <laughs> when Coca reminds me, no, you didn't. But I'm telling you that John 49269754 with no followers and no posts thinks that I'm incredibly handsome. And Coca says, sit down, turn your computer off. Call him up and I say, is this happening? Because it can't be, right? There's no possibility. I just used that verbal tick again. Can you edit that out? 4869. I said, Coca, this can't be right. Especially because Bob Huggins released a statement after the DUI saying, I've submitted a letter to President Gordon G and Vice President and Director of Athletics, Ren Baker, informing them of my resignation and intention to retire as head men's basketball coach at WVU. Effective immediately. It's right there in a statement from Bob Huggins. Clear as day until July 7th. When a letter comes from a lawyer who supposedly was hired by Bob Huggins to send a very well-written lawyer letter to the president of West Virginia saying, just kidding. Wouldn't that be amazing if that were a legal term that you could write to someone after you have like an agreement, let's say a divorce agreement or you buy a company and then all of a sudden the company doesn't do well. Like Elon Musk writes a letter to the Twitter board saying, hey, just kidding. I'll take the 44 bill back. Under what legal theory were you just kidding? Oh, the one that says that my business sucks now and I'm losing money hand over fist. Well, what's your theory, Bobby boy? Well, my theory is that I haven't had a drink in like an hour and a half. I feel great. It's about to be basketball season. And I just realized that I want to get paid. I want more money. So this law firm writes a letter to the president. And the basic legal point is that whatever you think happened didn't happen. Because the only way that Bob Huggins can resign is in writing by certified mail because that is what's called the notice provision in his contract. Let me break down a quick legal concept for you. Look at all of your contracts. Look at your leases. Look at everything you ever signed. There's something called the notice provision. The notice provision gives you the rules. How do I communicate to you that which I am feeling or that which I am doing? Because the legal system says it's only fair if the other side knows what the hell is going on. Notice provisions started back before email, back before FedEx, back before fax machines, 
It's when you had to send a certified letter which said, dear sir, this is my position. This is official notice that I'm no longer doing blank or that I intend to do blank. Those notice provisions find their way into almost every agreement. Because what you don't want to put in is a notice provision that says, this contract will be terminated by text or on Instagram DM. Or if he contacts you by Twitter at John Cocktoasten, that will be considered official notice. You don't do that in a contract because, A, you really have a hard time verifying who's who, what's what. So the notice provisions stay that there's got to be official correspondence. Apparently, Bob Huggins never sent official correspondence, thereby violating the notice provision, thereby saying that the contract that exists with Bob Huggins is still the contract. That is awesome. You want to know why lawyers are hated? That's why. That is one hell of a legal claim, not based in reality of how the parties acted going forward, which is what the courts would take into account, given the fact that after Bob Huggins resigned, there have been meetings about separation payments, about pension, about health insurance, about all of the benefits, whether they'll continue or not, or when they'll continue, when certain payments will be made, all of those are actions that you only do following a official resignation, retirement, slash firing. What's even more incredible about this story is that Bob Huggins is represented by other attorneys who have been working with West Virginia's president and their legal counsel to actually do the things that you do after you've resigned. And then this different attorney comes in with a whole nother letter, which led to a response letter from West Virginia to this attorney the next day, which said, excuse me, are you my mother? Like a damn Dr. Seuss book. Are you my mother? West Virginia said, are you his lawyer or are the people I've been dealing with since his DUI and from the homophobic slur when I was dealing with the same group of people, are those his lawyers? Could someone please tell me what exactly is happening because I don't know who to deal with. If you would like me to respond to your spurious allegations, your ridiculous claim that Bob Huggins is now about to be reinstated because you have to reinstate him because he's still under contract and he's done with his rehab. If I'm going to respond to those spurious allegations, I'd like to know that you actually represent Bob Huggins. Bob, are you out there? If anyone's watching this, well, people are definitely watching it. But if anyone's watching this who knows Bob Huggins, could you do me a solid and go knock on his door and say, Coach Huggins, quick, quick, quick thing. Could you go ahead and say something, anything? Could you have some sort of letter written, some sort of statement made about what in the name of heck is going on here? Because we're embarrassed as a mountaineer. You should be embarrassed worse than the way you've been embarrassed given what's going on the last three months. 
and it makes our entire school look foolish. Where does this end? I've got a surprise for you. Bob Huggins will not be reinstated. West Virginia has made it clear, even in the response letter to the lawyer who may not be the lawyer, that even if you are the lawyer, just a little FYI, we're not reinstating him. His contract is done. He resigned. We're happy to respond. We're happy to go to court, whatever you want. But here's the only thing that we do know is that we get to control who's on the sidelines for the West Virginia basketball team. And it won't be your client if, in fact, he's your client. Not even wait to see worthy because it's so ridiculous and embarrassing. That's the thing that really struck me. Bob Huggins tripled down instead of riding off into the sunset, reappearing in five years with a standing ovation at a game, making appearances, rehabbing his image, and then getting a statue as somehow him becoming the legend, living legend, dying legend that he was and will be. But now, if I'm West Virginia, I don't even want to utter his name. Don't let his name across your lips. All right, we come back. We're going to review a documentary that just came out on Netflix. And then we're going to talk about my weekend of picks, which were an absolute disaster as we head into the all-star break. A couple of things that are going on in baseball that are definitely worth your time. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. How are you all doing? It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca. Here we are on a Monday, coming to you live from Miami on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Thank you for joining us. And of course, this will be available wherever you download your pods right after the show, like by 9.30. Watch a movie every day. Watch some great content this weekend. There is a lot of quality out there. The minute Wham! came out, I was going to watch it. I have reviewed other George Michael documentaries. I've talked to you about my love of George Michael, his music, the sadness that he is no longer with us, the shame that he's no longer with us, the absolute devastating consequences of living a life in secret, living a life as an 80s pop star where you cannot be gay, could not do anything other than be in the closet and not live his true life. 
And a documentary is made where I went in saying, I'm going to watch anything Wham related no matter what. But I expect I won't learn anything. And I would have been wrong. If you've heard the song, wake me up before you go, go, because I'm not planning on going solo. That's Wham. Or if you've seen Deadpool, Careless Whisper, that's Wham. You will be shocked to know the way Careless Whisper was written and produced. You will be shocked to learn how young Andrew Ridgely and George Michael were when they met, the relationship they had as friends, the mania and hysteria that was Wham for a period of time, and the love that they had for each other as business partners and friends and bandmates. Andrew Ridgely was not gay. It wasn't that type of relationship. George Michael is one of the most successful solo acts is in large part because of Andrew Ridgely. And people view him as the afterthought. Oh, the guy who just got carried by George Michael and Wham. George Michael left Wham because he didn't want to carry Andrew Ridgely anymore. That's what I thought. And then I watched the documentary and realized, wait a minute. That's not how it happened. I drew a conclusion after a Samson and Coca investigation that was completely incorrect. Learning about Wham is well worth your time. It's an hour and a half. There is footage that is never before seen. The number one hits they had in a particular year is staggering. The success they had, unbelievable. So you should watch it. I'm a little angry to be going into the break at 103 and 105. After 208 picks, I'm two games below 500. Could not win one game. Thought that Rodon coming back for the Yankees would be helpful on Friday night, and it wasn't. I thought that Sonny Gray would pitch like an all-star on Saturday for the Twins, and he didn't. And I thought that Elder would have a chance to actually sneak a game in Tampa on Sunday, and he didn't. Now, who would have thunk it? If I saw, so, so Coca, are you willing to give me a pass on Sunday's pick? Let me tell you why. When the Braves won the first two games of this potential World Series clash this weekend, I would not have taken the Braves to sweep the race. So I wouldn't have taken the Braves. So do I get a pass for choosing the Braves on Sunday, even though if I had chosen it Saturday night or Sunday morning, I wouldn't have chosen them? I'd like you to at least consider that. I'd like you to bring it to the panel, which consists of you, and let me know. MLB has a hard time with the reality that they used to own this part of the calendar. The All-Star break used to be the time, the day before and after the All-Star game, nothing doing, no professional sports events. Then you got the WNBA, and you couldn't say that anymore. But MLB still was able to own the weekend. You had the Futures game, the Celebrity Softball game, whatever. Then you get to the Home Run Derby on a Monday, the All-Star game on a Tuesday. Games start again Friday. So you've got the Wednesday and Thursday that become the ESPYs. They had their slot. Everything was perfect and arranged for baseball to be in the news. So many amazing stories to talk about. And all people are talking about is the NBA Summer League. So Major League Baseball said, I got an idea. Let's put the draft here. We're going to do the draft where the All-Star game is. It'll be brilliant. 
will become the NFL or the NBA. ESPN is going to put its resources behind it. We're going to get a panel of five people. We're going to get people interviewing. We're going to fly in some of the kids, interview them once they get drafted. This is going to be fantastic. If no one watches the MLB draft, does it actually happen? And I'm not trying to yuck on MLB's yum. I couldn't agree more as a part of baseball that you want the draft to be something that it's not. You want to build it into something where you can monetize it. Combining it with the All-Star Game is a great idea. But here's the problem. Raise your hand if you can name the top five players drafted last night. Raise your hand if you know who had the first pick last night and you don't live near Three Rivers. The reason why you don't know who's being drafted is because it's not Victor Wembanyama. It's not an NF, a college player who's going to help an, your NFL team. These are players that have a 50-50 chance of making it to begin with. I love all the talk. I actually don't. I, I texted Coca last night that the coverage of the draft was making me ill. And he said, well, wait, it's pretty good coverage. ESPN is using some resources. And I said, oh, I get what you're saying. No, no, that's not what I meant. I, I, I wasn't clear. The coverage is that these players are talked about like they're the next blank. And it's always someone who's made it and had a great career. It's the next David Price. It's the next Roger Clemens. This is the next Christian Yelich. Do you know the players drafted in the first round basically have a 50-50 shot of even making it to the big leagues? And then once they're in the big leagues, it's very, very rare that they become a difference maker. But if you listen to the draft, hey, no busts here. When your first round pick doesn't make it in baseball, we don't look at our GM and say that's a bust. We don't say we got Stanton with the 32nd pick or the 41st pick. What the hell was everyone doing? Mike Piazza drafted in the 29th round. 30 teams passed him over. 28 teams, however many were in baseball at that time, passed him over 25 times. They suck. It's not how it works in baseball. You don't know what you're getting. Oh, but this is a college. This is an LSU college guy. He could go right to the big leagues. The first pick they're saying, sign him and bring him right to the big leagues. No chance toilet pants. Nobody drafted last night is going to the big leagues immediately. Now, these guys from LSU just made it through the College World Series. They won the College World Series. They went one and two as teammates for LSU, which is cool if you're LSU. They're on quite a run. But you think that Pittsburgh is going to bring up a potential ace and let him work out of the bullpen and start his service time, add him to the roster, and use him out of the bullpen? for a team that has no chance in October to get to October. This is when executives realize that fans and commentators don't know squat. And I don't say that in a mean way. I don't know about what you do for a living. I know about what I do. I don't have all the information about the decisions you're making in your everyday life as parents, as workers, whatever it is you're doing. I don't sit there with a microphone 
All right, it looks like they're opening the canned peas right now. No, they're picking up the phone to get pizza delivery for an unprecedented fourth night in nine days. What kind of nutrition plan does this family have? Ooh, that person over there looks to be on MLB.com. They're listening to podcasts and not being very efficient about what they're doing. Can you believe the decision that that person made deciding to go to the break room at this moment when they've got an email to respond from two days ago? That's the type of coverage that we get as executives. Good luck to all the kids drafted. It's it's a good ride. You'll get to see now photo opportunities of them going to the home ballpark. You always bring in your first round draft pick and you let them go into the clubhouse and meet big play, star players. Then they get to take BP if they're players or throw a bullpen session if they're pitchers. Then they get fit with a uniform, given a bunch of free stuff. And then see you later. They go right to the minor leagues. Good luck. That's what the manager says. The manager, when they meet first round picks in baseball, hey, you're looking good. You, you looking forward to seeing you here. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to watch tape. Go get them. Work hard. They walk out the door. The manager turns around and says, all right, who's batting eighth? They don't even give it a thought. But the reason that baseball is doing this and moving the draft to this period of time is they really do want to find a way to make you care. At the end of the day, that is all anybody is doing when they're trying to sell you something. You can do it sort of as an impulse if you want, or you do it with a deep-seated, caring, loving relationship where you look at a product or you have a brand affinity where you say, I love you, Diet Coke. I love you so much. If you love Diet Coke that much, when they say, all I have is Pepsi, no, I'm good. I'm good with water. Dasani? Home Run Derby is tonight. You'll be watching. It's a great concept in many ways. Not like the three-point contest or the slam dunk, which can be better than the All-Star game. I love the All-Star game. I love the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby was so much fun to host in 2017. Justin Bohr, a shout out to you. He came back and was at Marlins Park last week talking about 2017 and that home run derby. When you have a chance to compete at home in your own home run derby, it's really cool. Julio Rodriguez, look for him. He's that superstar who played for seven minutes and got paid hundreds of millions of dollars by Seattle, which would be the same thing as Ellie De La Cruz getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars for his good month. Don't get me wrong, it's exciting. When I saw him steal second, third, and home this weekend, that was cool. That can be a difference maker. A lot of articles being written that he should be an all-star, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't work that way. That's more of the sideline reporting, taking your microphone and talking about stuff you don't know, don't understand. That said, Julio Rodriguez is doing the derby, and I think he's going to make it to the finals against Adolis Garcia, and you can bet that. Garcia versus Rodriguez in the finals is like plus 1,100, and Garcia winning is plus 700. So I've got two different bets today. One, both home run derby related. One is Garcia wins. Two, Garcia beats Rodriguez to win. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy it. So all of these leagues coming up with 
new revenue drivers, more content. That's something that you always think about in your business. How can I make more money? What can I provide to a customer? What am I missing? Is there an appetite for more of this product or that product? The NBA has been wrestling with the issue of regular season games for quite a while because NBA players don't give a flying rat's tuchus about the regular season. The NBA changed a few rules and said you've got to play 65 games to get an award. That'll stop load management. That'll get players to care. And we rolled our eyes. Then Adam Silver said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make up out of clear blue sky a in-season tournament. Because in case you didn't know, the NBA is just like soccer. Soccer with all their tournaments, you don't know what's what, who's who, when is the regular season, who are they playing, the breaks that happen, oh, we're losing the team, we're going to go play the Champions League, the Euro League, the postseason, the preseason, World Cup I get, you shut down the sport for World Cup. Adam Silver said, I've got an idea, let me talk to my broadcast partners. What if we created a tournament where for a month we've got this group play, just like the World Cup, except all of the games played during the group play count toward the regular season standings. So it's like a regular season game, but not really, because if you win while you get a win on the regular season standings, you also get a win in the group. And then after group play, we're going to go to a knockout stage. Won't that be amazing? Just like soccer. We'll have teams play each other in single elimination games. I'm going to be giving you content that our fans are going to care about, our players are going to care about. You're going to want to give us more money when we renegotiate with you, when our deal is up, which is coming up next year, and we're trying to do deals with streaming networks and UTNT, maybe UNBC, and we're trying to increase the value of our teams above $4 billion for the Phoenix Suns, to the moon, Alice, to the moon. And then after the quarterfinals, we're going to go to Vegas. What good tournament doesn't end with a trip to Vegas? And we're going to play the semifinals and the finals right in December. And we're going to crown a champion. Right on December 9th, there will be a winner of the NBA first ever in-season tournament and Here's why the players care. Each member of the winning team gets, wait for it, $500,000. Well, you've got Kyrie Irving making $35 million a year. Why would he want to make $500,000? Why? Hmm. Because that's a lot of money. Adam Silver went to the union and said, here's my plan. I'm going to do the in-season tournament, and I'm going to really need players to get behind it. I'm going to need him to really try. And I want him to win it. But the thing is, the final game that they play is not going to count for the regular season. The stats that they get in it are not going to count for their career stats. But if they win, they get 500 grand. 
And if they lose, they get 200 grand. So either way, they've got enough to go to a private part of a casino after the game and turn it into 20 million or into zero. What do you say, union? Are you in or are you out? And the union said, eh, we're in. What did ESPN say? What did TNT say? Any incremental dollars coming our way that can serve to increase the cap? That would interest me. My general thoughts on the NBA in-season tournament is if you think that the players are going to care, you're wrong. Would it be nice for them to win it once they get to the semis and they get to go to Vegas? Are they going to try to win? Sure. For teams that get eliminated in the group stage, they will continue on with their regular season. Every team will still play 82 regular season games, except two teams of the 30 will play in 83rd. That's the championship game. Because even the semifinals count towards your regular season. Even if you lose in the group stage, you're getting an extra 50 grand. Not terrible. Just for playing a game that you would have had to play anyway under your contract. Basically, the NBA just gave a raise to every one of its active players. All in the name of, let's create something that we can sell. And that's where I fell in love. Where I fell in love is that, oh, you only get 50 grand for losing the knockout game? So what happens if you lose in the group stage and don't get to the knockout, you get nothing? Because they're just Tuesdays and Fridays, regular season? Okay. But those are just regular season games on a Tuesday and Friday. The whole group stage is just regular season games. They're going to play it on Tuesdays and Fridays for all of November. We may not even know the difference. Although it'll be tweeted about and threaded about. But the reason that I love what Adam Silver is doing, and I love what Rob Manford's doing with the draft and with playing a game on a Little League field or going to Alabama to play a game or going to a Fort Bragg to play a game, London, et cetera. Every business is trying to increase its revenue without increasing its expenses by the same amount. Everybody's doing that. Why shouldn't sports leagues and sports teams be allowed to do the same thing? What you are calling a gimmick, I call a potential revenue driver. And if it doesn't drive revenue, fine. If no one goes to McDonald's to play Monopoly or to buy a salad, fine. But at least I'm trying something. From a player's standpoint, they're playing the games that they agreed to play. And if they make it further in this tournament, there's money at stake for them. But that's only small potatoes. The money for them is if a network buys this tournament incrementally increases the amount of money they get because it increases the salary floor. That is the job of commissioners. They've got hundreds of people working for them, all trying to do the same thing. Anytime you see innovation, it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal. 